0: the king's insider podcast on csncalifornia.com introducing your host sacramento king's insider james ham
1: welcome to the king's insider podcast i am james ham joining me as always mr aaron bruski of nbc sports aaron we're back we're back what happened we were gone for a week we were gone for a week you know what i was under the weather not very often that that happens, where James is under the weather and has too many other things going on while under the weather to make it happen, but yeah, we're back.
0: Good, good, because I think the fans have been clamoring for some James Hamm and Aaron Bruschi, Um and, and, and I like to get this stuff out off my chest. You do. Uh, you know, I do too. Everyone out there, we're
1: actually, we're doing the most the most horrible thing in the world. We're actually recording on Thanksgiving Day, middle of the day. We, we did this last year. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Last year, it was like you were in a car somewhere with like...
0: (laughs) Well, last year, everything was at DEFCON 5, and it it was like, (laughs) maybe we didn't have time for a podcast, but we actually had to do a podcast, because there was chaos brewing. Things were happening. Things were happening.
1: Well, things are happening now as well. This is the Sacramento Kings, and just in case anyone missed the memo,
0: things are always happening in Sacramento. It's never simple. I mean, you need a. Um, this is the part about, you know, almost like out of towners trying to follow this stuff. I feel like you have to almost like be here just for the pure insanity of it because there's so much, so many different twists and turns that, that there are. You, you, you couldn't keep up. You almost have to be a dedicated Kings reporter.
1: Okay, so I'm going to ask this Is it possible, Aaron Brewski, that we have Stockholm syndrome?
0: Mm, No, because we're not crazy. <laughs> I no, no. It's uh, I, I think that it's a tough story to follow. It's a tough team to follow. Um, but, you know, not even limited to us, just the folks that cover them every day seem to have a pretty good beat on it. But it does take quite a bit of uh, time and resources to cover the team. And I think that that's probably a, a reason why there's so much confusion from the past year out there is it just takes too much time. Not even a lot of time. Too much time.
1: Yeah, because I don't feel like we're too easy on them. I don't. I mean, you know, actually, I was I was sitting at Thanksgiving just a little while ago with one of my cousins, and you know, when you tell your family what you do, um, it kind of gets filtered down. It's sort of that you know the whisper game. We talked about this last week. You tell your mom that you do something, and then she tells other people, and they tell other people, and they tell them. By the time it gets back to you, you're like a king's employee, and it's like, and my cousin goes, okay, so. I saw one of your titles on Facebook and I'm like, yeah, he goes, so you don't work for the Kings. And and I'm like, no, he's like, no, I got that. You don't work for the Kings. Your mom may have insinuated that you work for the Kings, but you don't work for the Kings. I I could read that by your title that of one of your pieces. And I'm like, well, yes, I, I do not work for the Kings.
0: I think it comes across that way. Sometimes, you know, our good friend HP basketball wrote, you know, like um, that, that we thought everything was great in Sacramento. It's like, no, nah, no, nah, it, it's not great. And I think we've been it's hard I and mean, I think we had a like rec- record breaking podcast for being hard on the Sacramento Kings at one point, but it's not, I don't think we've ever said that it's great, that there's all sorts of great things going on, but maybe pushing back against narratives that have been out there that, you know, we know why they're out there. We know who's putting them out there, you know, and that's all old news actually. But, you know, in, in relation to how, we cover the team, I think we're pretty heavy handed. I, I know I am.
1: Yeah. And honestly, I think you can contradict without being a contrarian. Does that make any sense? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, because the, the narrative that's out there is is something that, I mean, we deal with on a daily basis that, you know, it's always out front and center. I mean, look, people, I was as hard as anyone on the Sacramento Kings, specifically Vivek Ranadive for the Drake situation as hard as anyone you know and so i i don't know where it could possibly get across that i mean in in the pete dallas podcast uh from our days back doing the ck podcast um i you don't get any more open and honest than that folks so so let's hit this let's hit this let's uh let's sort of run through what's happened here in the last like two weeks i think we uh because we missed last week we have to start with a, a situation that happened um and that is Demarcus Cousins and the forearm shimmy to the chin of Al Horford. <laughs> you know what? It, it's funny. Everyone called it an elbow in the beginning, and you're like, "It's an elbow. It's an elbow." And I watched it a million times. I'm like, "Okay, well, that's not really." And then when you someone mentioned, "Oh, it was a forearm shimmy," it's like, "Oh, that's the perfect term." I completely forgot about that term. That's exactly what it was—a forearm shimmy to the to the grill of Al Horford. At some point, Aaron Brooski. Does DeMarcus Cousins have to realize that that your hatred of losing and getting thrown out of uh getting suspended for a game like you
0: those are like diametrically opposed like you He, he yeah exactly he has a an anger control issue and he needs to address that at some point in time preferably sooner rather than later because he cost himself a game and I don't want to overblow it because it's one game but you're the leader of the team and you need to act like it. You need to. I mean, the, the West, the East Coast swing here was so crucial for these guys. And, and you're seeing that play out in a positive way right now to, ha- to not have him available against the Miami Heat, a completely winnable game. And to think that that game was close and the Kings played terribly. And if you could just simply add to Marcus Cousins, they probably win that game. They need every win they can get. And he's not out there, so I'm pretty sure it's kind of one of those like law and order things where the the lawyer says asked and answered. You know, I'm sure he's been you know told about it by some of the vets in the locker room. I'm sure he gets it, and I'm sure they've moved beyond this. And I don't want to make a mountain out of a molehill, but you know, it's out there. And then you got the the business with uh, OJ yeah. Mayo. Has
1: after- he moved on? Has he moved past it? Is it? We don't know. We answer? don't know
0: who talked what trash. That's but at the, it's, let's just assume OJ Mayo was just terrible said something about his mama you know and on and on and on all the worst things you could say to the guy your job right now DeMarcus Cousins is to not make noise you know you you need to stay out of the headlines you need to stay under the radar help your team win and just don't add to the pile because right now you're, you guys aren't handling the pile you know if you were handling the pile you'd be over 500 if you're handling the pile the narrative's that were unfairly placed out there in certain cases. But in many cases, you know, the narratives about the Kings. They hold all sorts of truth, you know, hat tip to HP basketball for being a guy that can kind of parse through those narratives. But a lot of people haven't been able to parse through the narrative. So you got those narratives out there. You don't want to be adding to that fire because it's making everybody's life harder. So, yeah, he needs to back up a little bit. Not, you know, don't be, you know, don't be like Jaleel Okafor, allegedly, you know, the guy talking trash. (laughs) <laughs> you know hammering a guy outside of the club allegedly um you know just turn the other cheek you're you're better than that you're you're bigger than that and you know it, it i get it. it it can be hard everybody's been there but you have to take that next step forward if this team's going to be a winning basketball team
1: I completely agree. I mean, the Kings are now one and was it one and four? Wait,
0: does, does that qualify as being hard on the Kings? I don't know.
1: Yeah, maybe. Okay. I don't know. One in five. One and five on the season without DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, and one of those games, of course, is a suspension. Uh, the OJ Mayo situation probably will quietly go away, which is good for the Sacramento Kings. I don't think he's going to get suspended uh, on Turkey Day. That would be kind of a rough email to have to get and then write on here this afternoon. I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Um, but you have to know better. You have to know not to walk into that tunnel where there's a potential for an altercation. You just have to stop yourself and say, what does it mean? You know, what does it mean for me to walk in there? Is it going to prove anything? And the fact is it will not prove anything or, or, or maybe it does. Maybe it proves the narrative. Maybe it proves Everything that people say negatively about you—that's the only thing it can prove. You're not going to walk. hey, you're not going to walk into that tunnel and have like a kumbaya. Hey, my bad, O.J. Mayo. Let's work this out. You know, we're cool. Fist bump. Let's let's you know go get a beer after the game. That's not what's going to happen there.
0: now I know this is the hard part because O.J. Mayo's got a history not just with this team but also around the league, and so he could be completely in the wrong here. And we kind of put a lot more burden on our athletes than we do ourselves in everyday life, because I know probably more than half your listeners, if somebody walked up and said something, maybe they'd just crack back on them. And that's not OK, but that's just the way that things used to be in society. And we've transitioned to a society that actually respects boundaries. Um, so I, I don't want to be too hard. It's an emotional game. This stuff happens all the time. But the timing issue is just unmistakable. You just got suspended for the same type of a deal. You gotta not do that. But
1: the heat of a game that you're not playing in.
0: Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. I yeah. You're right. You're right. I don't think he looks at it that way. I think he's as emotionally into it. You know, it's one of those good thing bad things with him. I think he's amped all the time. No, um, he is. He is. But okay. It, it's it's just the timing, and it's part of the maturation process of any human being is to be able to walk away when somebody does something unsavory to you. And and he needs to learn that.
1: Yeah. I think we're getting there. I'm hoping that we're getting there. And, but then again, we watched Jason Kidd,
0: I mean, what's he?
1: Gonna, <laughs> is he going to get two games? Is he going to get three games? What's he going to get for that? Uh, they'll I probably mean, he's slap of the mic, man. What do
0: you? Two, s- yeah, he's s- like Isaac s- Gonzalez. Yeah, shout out Isaac. What's up? There um, it is. <laughs> nothing says maturity like slapping the microphone at a at a city hall meeting. Uh, yeah, I guess I'm going to guess one game because I don't think that the league likes to to go heavy in these situations. I feel like they just want it to be a nice small suspension. If that, they might even know. do a slap on the wrist.
1: I don't think so. Because did you see the Mike? Oh, what is it? Budenholzer?
0: Budenholzer. Uh, he got a fine though. But did but you that was see, a
1: nudge. did you see what happened? When oh, he, with the, 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 ref's union, the ref union came out firing because all he got was a fine. Um, I, I don't think that the NBA can do it twice in a row. I think Jason yeah, yeah. Kidd may actually be the example. Cause we've reached that that boiling point where you can't keep
0: disrespecting the officials if you're you know it, i haven't yeah. seen that in years i'm trying. i was trying last night to figure out who i'd seen that from recently in he the last like i tried to do it i
1: mean it wasn't it was like intentional like it, he lost his cool but then it was like you could see him searching out like i'm going to slap that ball out of his hand
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's like his move you know uh, seth uh what's his name has the dice move when he dances uh his move is to steal the ball out of the ref's hand
1: or, yeah, uh, <laughs> wasn't it Jason Kidd the last year that spilled the drink on the floor intentionally? Like, he had a player come over and run into him. He was holding a drink, so it would delay the
0: game and they could mop up the floor. That's an interesting character. I bet the Milwaukee guys over at Brew Hoop and elsewhere have some pretty interesting podcasts about that guy. It's possible. It's possible.
1: All right, so let's move on. Uh, we we beat the DeMarcus hus- uh, Cousins uh, dead horse, which is typical. I mean, it's something we have to do. It's almost like a weekly ritual that we have to do. Like, uh, uh, why do you have to average 27.9 points, 11.2 rebounds, and get yourself in trouble all the time? <laughs> um,
0: this team is teeming with seeming contradictions.
1: It is. It is. Okay, so let's get to Rudy Gay because, man... I struggle with the Rudy Gay thing. I I really like Rudy Gay and Rudy Gay has taken a beating. Now, when I say I really like Rudy Gay, like I'm I'm not like Homer. I mean, I I know Rudy Gay. I think he's a good guy. I think he intends his intentions are good. I think he's a good family guy. I think he's funny and he makes me laugh and I, I like watching him play basketball. Now, is he an MVP? Is he an All-Star? Is he like uh, the most Enthralling basketball player I've ever seen. No, but uh, he's kind of taken a beating here for his slow start to the season, and I'm kind of taken aback by that because I've watched kind of what's happened with Rudy, uh, the baby situation. You know, right at the beginning of the season, dragged out a little bit longer than than people know, uh, and. You know, again, we're not going to get into into that, but just so you know, it dragged out a little bit longer than a normal baby situation. He's exhausted. He's winded. He gets gastroenteritis. He he can't play. Uh, his numbers are down, and then he he hurts his shoulder. But I'm just going to say this, people. Like, look, first of all, Rudy is about a big a gamer as Sacramento's had, because the dude gets hurt. Not. No joke hurt. I mean, we're talking an Achilles strain. We're talking a shoulder strain. And he comes back and he plays as soon as possible. So don't think that Rudy Gay doesn't want to play basketball because he does. But we're seeing this corner turned by him out of nowhere. And could this hit? come like this is the best time to see Rudy Gay all of a sudden go, OK, wait, I'm back. I'm ready to play. I'm done with the early baby stuff. I'm done with the early gastroenteritis and, and sort of. Just sort of a general worn-out feel to him, and now he's balling at a very high clip. What are your thoughts on
0: Rudy Gay? I'm watching him really closely because one of two things is true. One is he's either a little sluggish from the aforementioned or he's lost a step defensively. I'm more concerned with defense than anything else because offensively I have zero concerns whatsoever. I think he'll be just fine. But defensively he's been getting beat pretty bad But in the Milwaukee game, he had, like you said, a pep in his step that I haven't seen this season yet. And so it's a a found money situation, I think, for the Kings, because I think a lot of folks are expecting what we've seen in the first 10 games to be the Rudy Gay that we have all year here. And I don't think that that's going to be the case. Just seeing him in Milwaukee, I think, you know, obviously he could get more dinged up as the year goes on, but he's going to have better mobility Uh, offensively He's going to have more pop. And that is key because you say you do miss games with DeMarcus cousins. And I think there's an issue there that that we have to talk about with injuries. You know, he doesn't look right. And so it's going to be incumbent upon Rudy to do exactly what he did in, in Milwaukee. And that's be the number one scorer to take the pressure off of the rest of the team. So they don't have to be above what their real true uh, level of play is. So, I'm actually optimistic. And then um, as far as like, you know, I think it's interesting. There's a lot of chatter about Rudy Gay not passing amongst people inside the walls in Sacramento. That was it was a little bit odd because it would come after games where I didn't think he had a lot of moments where he wasn't passing. There would be other games that I thought you could hear that after. And is it just me or does this team need him to actually do what he's doing? Oh, God, yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's... you can't just run like the the three-man weave at the
0: top of the key. That can't just be your only offensive set. You know who he reminds me of is a Carmelo Anthony from like two years ago. Hmm. He, he has similar game, similar kind of overall value, I think. Um, maybe not as qu- quite as gifted of a scorer, but pretty, pretty damn close. And I just, yeah, you, you need a guy who can put a little bit of fear into the other team that this is a guy that can beat his guy one-on-one and we don't need to necessarily run some Spursian action for him that maybe he just needs to back his guy down, take a fade away or a couple one, two dribble, you know, pull up that uh, heaven forbid he shoots a long two, but that kind of stuff it takes defensive attention away from other guys and it might not look pretty at the time it's happening but it's actually good for your for your offensive team
1: yeah and i'm and i'm also going to point out that like look yes his assist percentage is down last year it was at a an all-time high of 19 and now it's back down to 12.7 and you could say oh my gosh he's just not passing you could also say oh my gosh He's never played with a player that averages 10.9 assists. Yeah, I was, yeah,
0: was going to say, I think Chris Paul would have a really low assist percentage playing with Rajon Rondo.
1: Yeah, a- anyone is going to see a substantial dip in their assist percentage because Rondo is is orchestrating. He's the grandmaster at this point. So I really don't have any issues, especially I, I thought I, I had written this in my, uh, my pregame that I thought the matchup of the game was Rudy Gay versus Giannis, uh, whatever. Ah, uh, the Greek freak.
0: I, well done, sir.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, <inaudible> Antitatum cumpo. Antitacumpo. There we go. All right. Anyway, I believed that that Rudy Gay was actually going to get beat up bad because I know the length of the Greek freak. His length is like startling. hmm And Rudy Gay is, I mean, has a seven-foot-three wingspan. So I mean, that dude has really, really long arms and and can really get out and move. But we're talking about a 21-year-old with just like that stretch Armstrong. And to watch Rudy Gay from the moment the ball tipped off destroy him was to me like, holy cow, this is a bad matchup. I thought that was going to be a very bad matchup, especially if you watch him over, uh, if you watch Giannis over his last like three or four games, his takes to the hoop were like almost Sean Kemp-esque. Like mm-hmm. his spin moves and then hammering on people. You're like, holy cow. And he,
0: He's a poor man's Kevin Durant, just like Paul George was before him. It's going to be fun to watch him It grow. is going to be watch him, fun to watch him grow. I mean, look, he's
1: 21 years old. Think of him in two years. He's going to be one of the better basketball players in the league. And especially all around. I mean, once he figures out how to use those arms to block more shots and to pick up some steals, he's just going to be absolutely incredible. But... He's playing really well as it is, and I thought oh, this could be a, a letdown game with Rudy because because I thought the Bucks would center their defense on stopping Rudy because DeMarcus was out. And man, right from the tip, boom, 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 hitting uh, in-your-face jumpers one after another, full elevation, full extension out of Rudy Gay and dropping him in. And again, this is a guy who two games earlier was out with a strained left shoulder. I mean, this is a guy who's who's beat up and sure enough he's got 64 points over his last two games after coming off an injury. I he's been impressive.
0: Yeah, uh, and and I know you've got this all ordered out, but I feel like it speaks to the larger issue of what's going on with the Kings offense because what I saw against Charlotte, so I was not able to watch that game live. I was able to keep one eye on Twitter. And I'm sitting there thinking, wow, I bet the Kings are just imploding right now, you know? I bet their offense is just terrible and all this. And so when I sat down the next day to go frame by frame and watch it, I was like, I, I, I so Carl said it last after the Milwaukee game that he thought that those were the two best games they'd played, and I'm right there with him. I thought the Kings played very well. And there were some issues with that that game that we could pick apart against Charlotte, but it started to set the stage for what we saw against Milwaukee. And I have not seen a Kings team play with that level of purpose and that execution of ball movement in, I don't know, like five, six years. I don't know. It's been a while. Yeah, and let's so,
1: let's talk about that Charlotte game a little bit here. It's fine. We can skip around. Um, but that Charlotte game to me, I I brought this up on the telecast the other night. The Kings typically on the season I mean they're not a bad they're not a bad assist team they're not a great assist team um, but they're coming up in the ranks but what I've noticed is that in most games it's really 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 skewed to Rondo and of course a lot of that has to do with the fact that Rondo's playing 48 minutes and he's controlling the entire tempo and everything else of the game but that secondary, And even the third pass coming off a Rondo where you're finding an, an open man and hitting a shot, that was lacking. So a lot of games like Rondo's blowing up and he's got 15 assists and you're like, wow, he's got 15 assists and the team finishes with 20 and you're like, okay, well, that's not great. And then all of a sudden there are games where he's finishing with, you know, 20 assists. And as, as a team, if you can do what the Kings did in that Charlotte game where, you know, 20 assists is incredible to the king's all time record. But the team finished with 34 assists. That tells me that they're getting it, they're figuring it out. That just because Rondo finds you in stride with a perfect pass, that doesn't mean that you can't find a better shot and add to what Rondo already created. He already created one mismatch. Now let's get the defense chasing and find the right shooter every time. And all of a sudden, we're starting to see that. This team is growing. I mean, they are third in the league in assists at 24.3 a game. We haven't seen that in a long, long time.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. I think that what we need folks to look at you know, when watching Rondo, because he's a hard guy to watch. He looks great when he looks great, and then he looks terrible when things go bad. And a lot of times, he will look great on a game that he didn't play so well. And that assist number is very misleading, and it's more about percentage of assists compared to the amount of time with the ball held in his hand as well as the amount of chances that he has. And for Rondo especially, I think the most important number for him to focus on, I'm sure he knows this, is that it's the turnovers. Because he, it's like that ingredient in your food that if you put one drop into it, your entire dish is going to taste like that. And all it takes is one drop. And that's Rajon Rondo. And he has, like you said, I think it was like the first telecast of the year was he's the leader of this team. And it's so unmistakable now. They might as well be called the Sacramento Rondos because he has just eclipsed even DeMarcus Cousins in terms of importance as to what they do on the court. Everything runs through him. He makes every decision he I mean, it's just like the, whatever he wants to project, his image of the Sacramento Kings is what they're going to do. And even as much as like the offense itself, it's the it's the Rajon Rondo offense, not the George Carl system. It's a hybrid of the two, but he's, he's out there making that happen. So if he's going to have that level of almost like godlike control over the offense itself, it's incumbent upon him to take care of the ball because he's good enough to make all those crazy passes And, you know, make it pan out more than it's not going to pan out. But everybody else takes his his tempo, his rhythm, his characteristics, his personality. So you get guys that aren't quite as good at him as him at doing that. And they start kicking the the ball around the yard. And that's why you get these high turnover totals. So it's percentage of, of chances on the assist total on the assist number, the secondary assist totals, as you mentioned, and the turnovers if he can just work that out in a, in a positive way, I think you're going to see a similarly dynamic offense for the Kings going forward. Now you just got to work boogie cousins into that. And I think that's going to be fine. My complaint about boogie is he's got to get down underneath the three point line on plays that are not designed for him to be above the three point line. He looks hurt. He looks like he's got a number of ailments. And if that's the case, I think he should just say so because if it's not the case, you know, he's got to get up and down the court a little bit more. He, he looks really banged up out there. And that's the one piece of the puzzle that they've got to integrate. But other than that, the Milwaukee Bucks did allow quite a bit of penetration. But that is the hallmark of the spread offense. I don't think they should be running pick and roll with Rondo and Caspi or Rondo and Bellinelli or, you know, whatever the combos are. If they're not great pick and roll players, that can't work in a spread offense and, and be something you're doing with 10 seconds left in the clock. But if you can get penetration one on one with you know Demarcus Cousins standing at the, the the free throw line, or you know four guys standing around the three point line, and all sorts of space in the middle, it's going to result in open threes, and it's going to result in easy drives the hoop, and that's what we saw against Milwaukee.
1: Yep. Okay. So let me before we get off the Rondo train, uh, uh, Rondo's assist percentage on the season forty three
0: point nine. I mean that's like otherworldly. That's I think the- you almost have to compare it against himself though. Like, what could Rondo have done if he played his perfect game? Okay, then... so what would you think his usage percentage is? Oh, I'm going to guess like 38. I haven't looked. How about 19.6? Yeah, that's the crazy thing. That, that's crazy. Huh? Yeah. That doesn't 19. make sense. 19.6. I know he doesn't shoot a lot, but.
1: You know Bellinelli has a higher usage percentage than he does? You might assist. want to
0: describe usage for the listeners, but
1: well, it... okay. Usage: an estimate, uh, an estimate of the percentage of a team's plays used by a player while he was
0: on the floor. Right. <laughs> he's uh, basically he's... ending possessions. And...
1: Yeah, not all ending possessions. I mean, it's, I mean, it's how many, it's how many, how much time basically he has a ball in his hands, right?
0: No, it's actually whether he shoots and then um, and or assists. Okay. Well, and or assists. I mean, he's right. assisting on so many plays. It's, it's ridiculous. It, it's more or
1: less what you said. Okay. So, so what I'm saying is that, like, I think there's a misconception a little bit about what's going on here. Either way, uh, what we're starting to see here is, I think you're probably right. Demarcus is a little bit more beat up than he's letting on. Uh, you know, the uh, the Achilles injury that first hit this season. Um, that's it's called a usage injury. It's from high usage. It's not from like a moment of, oh, I did something wrong. Typically, these are uh, like high mileage things. He played um, a lot of basketball this summer. He, he, you know, went and worked with Team USA, whatever it was. He came back and he just, you know, again, a usage issue, uh, running up and down the court, doing all those things. And then that leads into other injuries that we might start to see pop up. One of those can be a low back issue. I'm not sure that they're all related, but it's possible they're all related, and that his body's just a little tender to start the season. He's got to get through some of this because the Kings need him really badly. Uh, But you know, it is something to watch. It's something to watch because he—he's a guy that in the past was like a 80 to 82 game guy, and then all of a sudden we're starting to see an accumulation of sort of ticky tack things. And this season, you know, again he's missed six games out of. Uh, out of 16 and he's only played in 10 games and he's been so dominant in those 10 games but at the same time you need him to be dominant in
0: we're talking oh, high he, 80s percent percentage of games a lot of people made made out that the perimeter defense for the kings was bad at the fourth quarter of the charlotte game and it wasn't it was demarcus cousins getting killed on screen and roll and that obviously he was hurt but and and he's not that He's not that guy defensively. It's night and day different what we saw in Charlotte compared to what he really is. He he's got to get back and healthy because he's a difference maker on the defensive side. Oh, I completely agree. Now, the other thing I'll I'll mention about that Charlotte
1: game is that I do believe that the defense in the second half was was pretty horrific. I mean, I, and for that matter, I think the defense that we saw in uh, in the win over the Bucks was also pretty pathetic. I mean, you gave up a tremendous amount of, uh, of of points. If the Kings didn't shoot 57% from that for that game, it's very possible that they would have lost. I I have been hard and harped on this repeatedly, the switching, the constant switching, and I don't understand it as far as a scheme. I watched it play out in in the uh, the Charlotte game where every single possession they were switching, they were they refused to fight through screens. And I don't know if that's like Carl has said in the past, like the players have an option to switch, but they're not told they have to switch on every single possession. But I kind of feel like the team has got to a point where they almost feel like they are switching no matter what. And then sometimes a guy will go, you know what? I think I'm going to try to fight through this. And then the other guy is already switching. And then all of a sudden there's like a a door opens to to the hoop and the guy just runs right down the middle and scores on him. Because the Kings are out of position.
0: so you know, If you've if you got KG and you've played with the same guys for five years, communication like that can happen. But new guys that don't have that level of communication, you got to just almost tell them one way or the other. Because the reason why they're switching is they don't feel confident in not switching and, and the call that's being made and and also players love switching it's so much easier but it's uh, new
1: guys in a new system that they aren't used to running everywhere else that they go that they all they do is switch every single possession that's just not a, a customary nba defense it's something that happens on occasion but it's not a customary let's switch every single time tonight i may mean, I, I even talked you. to doc rivers doc rivers like
0: they do a lot of switching I'm like, is that what the tape says? Yes, that's what the tape yeah, says. They yeah, do it's a been, lot of it's, switching. It's been terrible. And while we're on the things that were terrible, having Willie Cauley Stein in the and in the, in the end of the Charlotte game, is was as terrible. Not having him on the floor was as terrible of a call as I've seen in a while. Um, so there's criticisms there. For yeah,
1: sure. there, there there are criticisms that we can point to. I, I think that there are at least in early in this season. There are a few coaching losses, and I didn't expect that with George Carl. But I will honestly say, like, there are some games where the Kings shoot poorly. There are some games where they don't execute down the stretch. There are other games where I feel like scheme has cost them games. And, you know, maybe I'm being too harsh on George Carl. Uh, It's nothing personal. I'm just watching the game of basketball, and my years of watching the game of basketball tell me that if I can see the scheme is failing, from my seat then there has to be someone else who's seeing it on the bench.
0: Yeah, and- I wasn't as, I wasn't as harsh on the Charlotte game with the switching even though they did do it, but Milwaukee, you know what it reminded me of both of those games was Michael Malone saying, you got you know, to the, the the offensive players got to feel you. And that that doesn't happen. They're not at that stage yet where no, like not. the Golden State Warriors are, are making opponents feel them and get uncomfortable and kick the ball around the yard. Okay,
1: so uh, a couple of things we want to finish up with. Uh, Number one, Darren Collison. Um, He's fighting his way back from injury, uh, but my goodness, he he looks like he's short-arming a lot of things. He's starting to come around, but at the same time, uh, he's just not there yet. I mean, he's a guy who has had some injury issues throughout his career, but watching him try to hoist up long-range shots,
0: does it feel to you that he just doesn't quite have his legs yet? Yes, and I think he will get better. And I saw signs of that in the Milwaukee game. So I would say he's about one to two games away from being full speed. Um, I also think that he's struggling to find his role with the team. Mm-hmm. He he has kind of been minimized by Rajon Rondo. And Rajon Rondo is, like we've said, he's the leader. He is plugged into Rudy Gay, DeMarcus Cousins, Omri Caspi. You know, he's he's their leader. And and Darren's going to have to find a new way to fit in where he really realistically deserved the starting job to start the year in, in any other situation. But this is a this is as unique as I've seen it. You bring in a guy that didn't get playoff shares, did not look like himself for two years. He's in a contract year. He looks athletic. I'm talking Rajon Rondo right now. He looks like old Rondo and he has put Darren Coulson on the bench, so to speak. And Darren's going to play a ton of minutes, but now he's going to have to find a way to work his game off of Rajon Rondo, which he did to to many degrees against Milwaukee. I think he'll be fine. I think the, it's just a little jarring, you know, when you, you've you been the guy, and then all of a sudden you're not the guy, and then you've got to kind of work your way around that.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Collison, just for sake of arguing, he's shooting 41.6% from the field. Uh, the last couple of seasons, 47%. He's down about you know, almost 6% in shooting percentage, 5% over his career average. He's just struggling a little bit with his legs, it feels like. uh, And I'm sure he will get better. But when he starts playing at a high level, this team can then take it to a a whole other level because, again, he is a very big piece to this puzzle. He is a catalyst-type player, especially off the bench. Um, Marco Bellinelli has improved... He struggled mightily to start the season, but we're starting to see him get it going. Uh, But I'm going to skip over him because the one guy that I just want to keep pointing out every single time we have an opportunity to do it, and it's not because I'm the president of the Omri Caspi fan club, but (laughs) my goodness, this dude is shooting 51.5% from the field. He's shooting 44.7% from behind the arc. He is doing on a nightly basis whatever it is that the Sacramento Kings need to get a victory. You saw him with that tremendous rebound in, uh, in the, the Milwaukee game. Uh, he had another big play. In, he had a big three-pointer in the Milwaukee game that iced that game that helped them uh, push the lead all the way back up, I think, to 9 or 10. He is really, really coming into his own as like a 27-year-old guy who all of a sudden figured out the NBA game.
0: With all due respect to Ben McLemore, I think Pizza Guys blew this. I think that they could have given Ben a severance package for his deal and then gone to Omri and made him the best pizza guy, you know, that Sacramento could have. Think of the commercial opportunities there. He would have been just awesome in in all of those ads if they could just cheese him up a little bit more. It would actually be better. But yeah, as far as the basketball court goes he's he's you you, there's some bad Caspi I don't want to say yeah there is he's he's just kind of this wily guy that he gets he gets riled up he'll take a three that he shouldn't take he'll take it to the rack with reckless abandon he rounds out the team as um uh who said it Rob Mahoney said that of SI he he rounds out the team in ways that you absolutely have to have on the floor it's good that you have him around I think what you don't want to have is 30 minutes a game Omri Caspi I think you want to have 25 minutes a game, 20 minutes a game on some nights to keep his knee from acting up. He's uh, he's kind of a he, he's fun to watch. You just he's he when Rondo starts kicking it around the yard. That's when Omri starts kicking it around the yard. Yeah. So, so the two of them kind of got to be interlinked. But I do think that Carl has seen something with Rudy Gay and Omri Caspi playing together in the small lineup. And that's that's a good thing. I think the more that, th- that those two can play in a small lineup, I think that's a good lineup for the Kings. I'm going to be honest, he should have saw it last season. I mean, he
1: started the last nine games of the season. He started all of April. He started more than the last nine games of the season, but he started all of April to finish the season, and he averaged, what, 19.9 points and like seven rebounds a game in the month of April. He was really, really good, and I thought that to start this season, to get it off on the right foot, my prediction for the starting lineup was... Rondo and Mclemore in the backcourt with Caspi, Gay, and Cousins up front because I thought they already had some continuity, and I think now we're seeing that that lineup is very dangerous. It's the lineup, well, yeah, it it is. It's the lineup that took off in the Charlotte game that that had that blow up third quarter. Uh, It's the lineup that we saw in Milwaukee that really had you know the the Gay and Caspi combination that really had a huge effect, and I love. Again, on the telecast we were hard on on Carl uh before the Milwaukee game. I didn't understand his starting lineup. I mean, I wanted to see Rudy Gay start out the game not on uh not on the Greek freak, but I wanted to see him on Jabari Parker because I know Jabari Parker can't guard him and and start a smaller lineup with Caspi at the three and him at the four. And we saw that for much of the game where they went to a one big man set up with four with four smaller guys, and I thought it was really productive. I, I was just kind of surprised that they didn't start that way.
0: Yeah, I think what you're seeing is that Rudy Gay defends fours better than he defends threes, and there's not a lot of fours that can push him around, and the ones that, that do, you can go to a bigger lineup. Um, I'm, I'm worried about this team not playing Willie Cauley-Stein more. He, As far as metrics go and what he does is, is he's like Omri Caspi. He's one of those guys. It's hard to quantify what he brings every day to that to that lineup. And yeah, he's going to make some eye wincing, you know, decisions out there. He's he's uncomfortable defending the three point line. Yeah, all that stuff I get. But a, you got to get him playing through that stuff. B, I think he's helping more than he's hurting every single time he's on the floor. Even when he makes the mistakes, he's turning around and on the next play and he's doing something smart. And I understand what Carl's doing. It's a unique situation. You normally want your, your rookies to almost earn their minutes and develop them accordingly. But this is a win-now team. It's like a win-now game for these guys every time out until they can kind of get beyond the noise. Um, and I think they're they're somewhat close to that, actually. I feel like if in their next five games, if they can go 3-2, and two, and I think they can go 3-2, and two, then you're going to see um, a real settling in with this team. And that's when the Western Conference uh playoff picture is i think that's when they start impacting it and they start moving forward into that eight seed all right the road to 33 47 the road to you 47 keep
1: saying 47 but we started this with 33 because that's where your money's at
0: yeah so, that's true
1: so the kings are six and ten they check this out i i was looking at this right before we came on they are a game and a half out of seventh place seventh place they are two games out of sixth place and they are three games out of fourth place. They they have had a horrific start to the season. Even and if you would have if they would have won that game that they should have won in Charlotte, and they would be sitting at what seven and nine right now. Mm-hmm. Uh Yeah, seven and nine would have put them above Denver. They would have been right. And there's three teams tied with the seven spot: Minnesota. Uh, the Clippers and Phoenix. Boy, what are the Clippers doing down there? Um, anyway, <laughs> um, they they would be right there, at, right around the eighth spot. They would be technically tied for the 10th spot, or they would be ahead of the 10th spot. But they're so close to being right in it, and they've had such a horrific start. And I blame the, the Western Conference for that, for letting the Kings kind of stick around and figure out how to play together. Um, but I, I don't think this team is going to be nearly as bad as people think or Thought they were when they were one in
0: seven. So I, I think a lot of people have moved off of a 47. Ryan Yamamoto actually took my pick and, and made it on, on his show, uh, Toyota Sports Extra. So thank you, Ryan, for having confidence in me. So I'm where not, is he at now? I, you know what? I would love to know, Ryan. You know, tweet the show. Let us know where you're at. Because I think a lot of people that early season optimism where they thought, oh, they could win 40 games and these higher numbers that we've seen out there, including mine, I think people might want to back off that. But This is kind of it's weird. It's exactly how I kind of thought it would go, where there would be some controversial blow up within the first eight games because they're losing. And this is the opportunity to get your licks in, Uh, especially if there's people out there that used to work for the organization that continue to leak to to reporters that are out there. And and people are going to write that Vivek is riding around on an ostrich and making lineup decisions, you know, using some weird technology, including a robot. That stuff was going to happen and they survived that. And they're so united as players that they've made it now through this second segment. And I expect maybe one to two more smaller storms than this first one. But getting through that has always been the key. So 6-10 and 10 with the ability to, to maybe clean that up a little bit in the next five games with a somewhat weaker schedule with some teams that may or may not be limping. I don't know. I feel pretty good about it. They just got a slingshot out of it with some the system, the continuity, you know, learning how to play with each other, learning how to play under George Carl, getting a lot of the drama behind them. I think they're checking at least a little bit of each of those boxes as we go here.
1: You know it would make it all go away? All of the noise? Every single bit of it? What? <laughs> a win in Golden State on Saturday. Boom!
0: Yes. <laughs> that, that would be... If that would they break be the, sh- if they. God, if they break the streak the internet might slow down for a little bit it won't break the internet but the internet will be on hiatus for like 15 minutes
1: uh yeah yeah so all right well uh we have got to get back to our turkey eating i'm sure all of you will be in a coma when you're listening to this show tomorrow on on friday when the we actually release the show um but aaron bruski do you have any final thoughts
0: no, I think we covered it all. Uh, I'm just going to thank the uh, event, uh, people that run uh, Run to Feed the Hungry. It was a wonderful event today, doing great things. It's great to see people in the community out there, um, you know, all ages, uh, just really coming together and, and just really fun events. Thank you very much, guys.
1: Excellent work, Aaron Bruski, putting in a little 5K action. Look at oh, that. yeah. Feeling the burn. All right, so that's going to do it for this edition of the CSN Kings Insider Podcast. We will be back next week. I promise we won't have any more week-offs, at least I hope not, but uh, we shouldn't have any more week-offs. Uh, and we will be back with hopefully a guest and some exciting new Kings news to hash over. So for Aaron Bruski, I am James Ham. Thank you for tuning in to the CSN Kings Insider Podcast.